sex talk. Derek Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No. Sex talk with Derek Miley. Hello, folks. Welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. I have a wonderful guest and colleague and friend. I'm just so Hi. so stoked you're here. This is Stacy Greeter, MD. Uh, Dr. Greeter, thank you. Thank you for Hi, coming. Hi, thank you so much for inviting me, Erica. We hang out in Florida together, so um, I'm just saying. Painting pottery, <laughs> doing other cool stuff. <laughs> so um, <laughs> Dr. Greeter is here to talk to us today about how to be a good advocate for yourself with a doctor or a med prescriber, because I think, um, and, and I know you folks out there are going to be like, Erica, what does this have to do with sex? It has a lot to do with sex because so many people are so uncomfortable talking to their doctors or therapists or anybody about sex. So I think we should just jump right in. So when you meet with somebody for the first time and they're, maybe they don't know what questions to ask a doctor about their medications, where, where do you think they should begin? I think that's a great question, Erica. Really, they should feel free to ask anything. And if their doctor makes them at all uncomfortable, they should consider going to a different doctor. Woo! Um, yes. <laughs> Preach. Well, but I think what, what's most important is to ask, you know, why did you choose this particular medication or treatment for me? Were there any other treatments to consider? Oh, yes. I, I think this is one that, that is missed so often. And because, I mean, there is kind of a, I think in many communities, there is that kind of like, here and I'm down here. I'm making hand gestures for the audio people in the world. <laughs> that there's this pedestal that sometimes we put medical professionals and people can be intimidated. So I think these questions are so important. And really, it's your time to get information from a good source. Yes. Not just the WebMD. Right. <laughs> so, you know, you can ask, like, what's the evidence behind uh, choosing this for me? What do you mean by evidence? Like, help the audience understand by, like, what kind of evidence should they maybe ask? I would ask, is this used commonly? Are there what we call a randomized control trial? That means randomly people are assigned to a medicine or a placebo, like a sugar pill, and they and they are random, so they and they don't know who's who, like who gets the medicine, who doesn't get the medicine, and that's really our strongest evidence that a medicine works. Because placebo effect is real. You know, placebo effect can be up to 30, 30 is on average 30% in antidepressant trials, just because people get hope by talking to someone. There wouldn't be that whole like, what was that thing on TV that was like you put on your feet and it took out like the toxins and it would turn black. But that, that community wouldn't exist if the placebo effect didn't work, right? Right. So, <laughs> I mean, and also you can ask your doctor, what are the most common side effects and what are the most serious side effects? Yes. So when it comes to side effects, I think, and we've addressed this before in the podcast, but I think it's so important. When a person starts describing their side effects to you, how often do they dare to ask about their sex lives, if ever? I mean, it's hard to say because I actually coach my patients during whenever I start them on a medicine that has sexual side effects 
to not hide them from me and bring them up to me if they occur so we can discuss them and address them. This is why we need more. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I'm always like, this could happen. Promise that you will bring this up to me and not just stop your medicine without telling me. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's so many times I hear that from, I'll hear that from a client that comes into the office. Right. You know, I can't get lubricated or I, you know, I cannot reach orgasm. So I'm just going to stop this. And I say, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. Yeah. Let's talk to your prescriber. We can do something different. Yeah. What's some of the workarounds that you usually will help them think about? Like what, what are some of the things that you typically do when they do start really seeing some of these sexual side effects? Okay. Well, first we have to evaluate, is there something going on in their life that could make them either unattracted to their partner or uncomfortable new with their body or is it an actual medication side effect? Because so much goes into people's sexual functioning. So we're asking them if when they are masturbating on their own, if they're having the same side effects as what's going on with their partner, you know, that can be some information that determines if there is a relationship issue that needs to be addressed. Fantastic. I tell tell my clients all the time, it's okay to play sexy detective with yourself. Right. (laughs) Sexy detective. I like that. It is common that SSRIs in particular have sexual side effects. So sometimes we can lower the dosage slightly. We can add on Wellbutrin to mitigate the sexual side effects, to decrease the sexual side effects. Boosperone can be added to get some extra help with anxiety while decreasing sexual side effects. Also, serotonin antagonists can be taken four hours before intercourse, such as ciproheptadine. So there's a lot of a lot of potential strategies, or we could change medication to a medication that doesn't have sexual side effects, like mirtazapine, for example. Remeron is an example, you know. So there's a lot of options yes. actually. Providing that list to the folks who are listening, I think is so important because it's like, we don't know what's out here. There's however many commercials with the the tubs, the Cialis tub and <laughs> the <laughs> telling us, you know, go get an, another pill when in reality, like it actually might be one, a desire issue, or it might be some a medication could be changed to prevent potentially. As far as when you think about some of the things that you have seen, like common myths about medications. I mean, I, I think this might be a good tub to jump into. <laughs> I mean, there are so many. <laughs> um, it's hard to know where to start. I mean, that all medications are addictive or you're going to have difficulty getting off of them. Benzodiazepine medications like Xanax, of course, are addictive and it can be hard to get off of them. But, you know, antidepressants, for example, if taken for an appropriate amount of time to you reach complete remission of your symptoms and then tapered, you know, people generally don't have difficulties getting off of them, but it depends on the person. Some people need lifelong treatment. Another myth is that medications are going to change your personality, like who you are. And really that's, my medicines aren't that good. (laughs) They don't, they cannot change who you are. If you find that a medicine is really changing your personality, then it's something you need to discuss with your doctor. Maybe there's a side effect going on. Yeah. I think the personality change is the one that I hear probably most frequently the fear or that they will need a medication forever, which is, I think I always caution them. I'm like, I'm never going to guarantee you that you won't need it for a long period of time, but 
something that you have to figure out with your doctor through trial and error. Um, maybe that's a good thing for us to talk about is that the figuring out those first medications can be a difficult journey. So what are some of those things that folks could think about when they go in to talk to their doctor about starting medications for the first time? Anything that is going to help you make peace with your decision and make an informed decision. I think you need to know that when you come in to talk to a doctor for the first time about medication, it's not the doctor's decision, but you need to get as much information as possible to make an informed choice. Yes. Yes. And I think that leads directly into this next question, because I think it is important to know the different types of people who prescribe medications. So what is the difference between a psychiatrist and a primary care doctor? (laughs) You know, primary care doctors are generalists. And I think that it's fine to treat, to see a primary care doctor if, for example, you have one diagnosis going on, one issue, like mild depression, mild anxiety, and you want to see a psychiatrist definitely if you have had a couple medications that you've had a negative response to, you know, because primary care doctors, they'll have a brief time to spend with you, you know, their visits are like 15 minutes. They generally have familiarity with a couple medications where psychiatrists are versed at treating like treatment resistant cases, things that don't respond to first line treatments. Or if you need to see your physician more frequently, you know, for more frequent follow up, if you need to go into more depth about things going on in your life. If there are things at play like bipolar disorders, schizophrenia, personality disorders, eating disorders, need a specialist, for example. So basically, a psychiatrist is a medical doctor who is a specialist by doing a four-year residency after medical school. Medical school is four years, and then psychiatry residency is another four years. And then if you have a child and adolescent psychiatrist, that's another two-year fellowship in child and adolescent psychiatry. Quick break from the action, folks. (laughs) Action. (laughs) I just want to tell you about my Patreon. Every week, I bring you guests and, seriously, lots of sex nerdery. (laughs) Help me keep doing that by becoming a supporter. What do you get in return? Cool perks. For real. I am going to be doing shout outs, stickers, a bunch of stuff. So check it out at ericamiley.com forward slash Patreon. That's E-R-I-K-A-M-I-L-E-Y.com forward slash Patreon. I hope to see you and see more of you by becoming a Patreon. Thanks, guys. When a person is trying to figure out like, oh, okay, I maybe have a, I have a family history and I've, this is my first diagnosis. Or one of the things I encourage people to do if they're, tra- they're talking about medications is to start with a psychiatrist. Also, keep that therapist in the loop. What do you think about all that? And how do you encourage people who are maybe just seeing you for medications? I think that collaboration between therapists and psychiatrists is extremely important and believe in that wholeheartedly. How I keep therapists in the loop is kind of more the question. I mean, 
when I see a patient, I reach out to that therapist by, you know, sending my assessment and it kind of invites them to add anything or it informs them of anything that they weren't previously aware of. And it's true, like uh, there's a lot that um, people don't feel comfortable sharing in the first appointment. But also, ironically, a lot of times there's things that people bring up because they don't have a vested interest in that person's opinion of them yet, like you do with your therapist who you don't want to disappoint. And so certain things come out during that very first appointment. I think I should definitely say this to the folks out there. We are all accustomed to our clients lying to us and not yeah. in a way that's like that's true. negative. It doesn't just because somebody's lying doesn't mean they're mean or bad. It more than likely means they're scared. Well, I always say when people don't tell the truth, we know it's because either sharing that truth or facing that truth is just so, too painful yes. at that time. Absolutely. You know, People aren't doing that because, like you said, bad people, but it's because at that time it's too painful to share or too painful to face it. Exactly. And it shows how much people are suffering. Yes. And one of the things I, I, I often talk about is these big feelings really, really hate our behavior in ways sometimes we don't or even sometimes that are, don't align with our values. And we, we as therapists and psychiatrists, we just don't take that all that personally. We shouldn't anyway. I mean, I can't. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm a human being, and my emotions, of course, play into my interaction with people. But as a psychiatrist, I also am at least a little more more apt than other physicians to understand how people's suffering drives them to say certain things to me to be in a certain place emotionally or to hide certain things. So when you think of, and I think this would be a great place to kind of wrap up on, what is like the number one way a person could really advocate for themselves with their psychiatrist and their medication? What, what should they be saying? I believe that knowledge is power and that they should be asking as many questions as possible. And from the psychiatrist standpoint, giving as much information as possible. And I tell people I can only be as good a psychiatrist as the information I get. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's so, so, so important that we have the entire picture because if we don't, then we're fundamentally missing a whole piece. And that piece could be in the middle of the damn puzzle. (laughs) <laughs> so thank you again for coming on the show. How do people find you in this world? If they want to become a client, if they want to see you in person and enjoy your services and at least feel safe getting them who knows their stuff. Cool. Thank you, Erica. Um, my website is stacygreeter.com. It's S-T-A-C-Y-G-R-E-E-T-E-R.com. Yep, Stacy without an E. And my office number is 941-413-0834. And thanks so much, Erica. Of course. And everything, everything will be in the show notes so that if you folks want to go and also you should know that you probably need to live in Florida to see Stacy, to see Dr. Greater. <laughs> I don't know that you want to fly all this way, but hey, well, you know, so thank you if, if, if you're here. But thank you again for coming. And 
We look forward to seeing you all next week. And thanks for keeping around to the end. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media, and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the gram, and Twitter. See y'all next time.